I'm Claire. And I'm Natalie. And we are a licensed psychologist and licensed school psychologist and a pediatric occupational therapist. And we are here to talk to you about stories of kids and adolescents who have maybe some struggles with development or disabilities, and also the parents and the caregivers and the teachers and the therapists who love them and work with them. We've divided this podcast up into two parts. So the first part is focused more on stories and experiences that we have and that parents have shared with us about their child um, with special needs. And then the second part, we delve into more details about those experiences and what we would do with them clinically if you want some more information on that. Yep. I think that's it. Goodbye. The following message is brought to you by our lawyers. A Little Cerebral is a podcast documenting a conversation between a psychologist and a pediatric occupational therapist. This is intended as a conversation between two colleagues. We are not providing legal, medical, educational, or any other advice, recommendations, or treatments through this podcast. Okay, we're on. Go. Okay. (laughs) We can just keep saying go over and over. (laughs) Do you know that I wanted to like, okay, so this, I got like this, this popped in my head like two minutes ago. I don't know why, but I keep having the song, um, a very merry quarantine to you. Like, you know, from Alice in Wonderland where they're like, a very merry birthday to oh, you. Yeah. <laughs> For me, it's like a very merry quarantine to you, <laughs> to you. A very <laughs> Wow. You really do need to get out more, <laughs> but I'm sure. No, I think that's, I think that's actually just what happens. Like I, for whatever reason, I get songs like from movies I haven't heard or seen in a, like years. I get them stuck in my head, and then it's like different words. Oh my gosh! Well, I've been listening in. to um, like "Let It Go" on repeat, oh, and no. it's so funny because <laughs> even the other day, my my son was like, "Can we listen to the Nutcracker?" <laughs> Which is like a pretty funny request, like a very sophisticated <laughs> request. While I was listening to "Let It Go," and I was like, "No, I think we're just gonna <laughs> listen to this." <laughs> <laughs> he was like, can we like put on some real music here? And I was like, mm, nope. <laughs> so your son knows the Nutcracker? Yes, because we listen to it all the time. So I, we do too. I grew up, right, like a classically trained pianist. And so I just listen to a lot of classical music and I have the boys listen to it. So I do too. Yeah, I was right. not a classically trained pianist, but I did take piano right, right, when I was right, classically exactly. trained vocally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so same, same, same. you listen to them. That's yeah. fun. I didn't yeah. know your kids. Like, I, I kind of feel like I don't know a lot of other families where the kids are like, know what the nutcracker is. Like, know the music no, to it. No, you know, they it's might so funny. It. My husband's like, kind of, you know, makes fun of me for choosing that because he'll, he'll say, oh, yeah, now he's going to go to school and be like, my, you know, people will say, what's your favorite song? And he'll be like, the Requiem by Mozart. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> the other kids are like, you know, whatever. Like, the wiggles. <laughs> yeah. um, can I share a related story? Sure. That's very brief. Okay. So, like, I want to say five years ago, um, we were back in the Midwest visiting my family. And then I always try to take my kids to Chicago. Um, just, you know, because we live in the, the mountains and I don't want them to be hillbillies. I want them to, like, you know, have some culture. Yeah, so I try right. to take them to Chicago when we're back there. Um, and like we go to museums and stuff, but we were on the way there and we had, um, Swan Lake in, it was in the CD player cause we were super old forerunner. And, um, my kids, both my boys started arguing about whether or not it was Swan Lake or the Nutcracker. 
Jeff's like, well, they're both Tchaikovsky, so, like, that's kind of cool that you guys... But I was like, it was seriously, like, an argument between the two of them. So they would have been, like, at that point, seven and four, and they were arguing. That's amazing. <laughs> maybe, pr- <laughs> maybe proud. Yes, yes. I, I'm, like, proud. I'm a proud parent for you. That's, like, my, like, hashtag goals, right? <laughs> okay, so today we are going to talk about socializing which is interesting because we are now in the time of the social distancing and I do think that that's relevant which is what made me think of this topic now obviously when you have a child as parents like there is some natural social distancing that goes on and typically that starts when you have a baby but then eventually it starts to decrease and you start to socialize with your friends again now When you're a parent who has a child with a special need, that timeline for becoming socially integrated can be skewed or not so much like a line, but more of like a loop-de-loop, or it might even just like sort of (laughs) take this big like dip. And Mm -hmm. so I think it's really important uh, to share this story. It's very brief, and then we'll open it up just to more discussion And I think this is a topic worth coming back to. So if you have a story about this, about how having your child impacted your social life and for how long and what that looked like for you, I think it's important to share that because I do think it's very, very common. And I don't think it's talked about as much as it should. And I don't think there's enough support given to parents around how do you navigate this new social world. And like very similarly, it reminds me kind of, of when you are pregnant and then you give birth and then basically your life just like goes out the window and then you have this totally new responsibility that isn't necessarily better or worse than what you were doing before, but is 100% different. And I don't know if that is all similar, but that's kind of what it maybe reminds me of a little bit. So... Anyways, I'm going to play this. It's from a, a mom who is amazing. And this is just her kind of take on her experience with her friends after they had their child with special needs. So I will play it and then we can talk. Being a parent of a special needs kid and trying to maintain a social life is really a tricky dance. Um, I know I ended up with a whole new group of friends, which was great, and those were other parents of special needs kids. And, you know, that was comforting and it was nice to have people to share things with. And I also found that at times, you know, I didn't want to talk about my kiddo. I just wanted to go out and have a glass of wine and have a normal adult conversation. Um, The group of friends that um, I had uh, prior to, you know, having our special needs kiddo, kind of doesn't, didn't understand what we were going through. Some did, some didn't. But, you know, your whole world changes. And so uh, those people don't really get it. And, you know, and sometimes there's just this gap when, you know, everybody's getting together and they're talking about your kids and you really don't have anything to contribute to because, you know, your kiddo is really different than theirs. So it's tough. Um, It's tough for sure. Okay, so your thoughts on that, Claire, because that's the first time you've heard that. Yeah. 
Um, it kind of reminds me of the episode where we talked about time. Okay, it kind of reminds me a little bit about... So if you remember, there was... Um, I think the episode was called When Time and Poop Collide. Um, but it about was right. about how... <laughs> What's that? I said, sounds about right. Yeah. Sounds like something um, we would name it, at least. <laughs> <laughs> um, but our one of our friends was talking about developmental milestones and how those seem so different and different from what other, like your peers who have kids the same age, like what their experience is. And it seems like perhaps this is fairly similar because I mean, a big part of it might be that, you know, it, you have a lot more responsibility in terms of making, making sure that you have like respite care, maybe not anybody can just take care of your child. Like if you have a child with a seizure disorder or a child with major meltdowns and outbursts, then it needs to be the same person all the time. And, and you need to prepare them for when you're leaving. That's, that's going to take a lot of work and planning and also very understanding friends. Like when you have to cancel plans last minute. Um, and so I, I just, I think that, um, it's just kind of one more thing, like, like the developmental milestones that, that we, that you take for granted when you have a child who is neurotypical. Yeah, I think that, so even with um, our eldest son, because he was just a more difficult baby and harder to soothe and hard to sleep and all of those things that a lot of other parents experience uh, for a long time, so maybe until he was like two point something years old, uh, going out for us was really challenging. So we just had this episode on attachment. So mm -hmm. he has a lot of trouble with basically like attachment and especially going to bed and being by himself and needing like multiple reassurance and, and meltdowns and every everything like every night. So for us just to get a sitter and go out and have that sitter take on that responsibility was really challenging. And it's cha challenging for me emotionally because I felt badly about it. And then challenging mm -hmm. just to be like, I can't just put someone else in, in that situation. Um, and so we didn't go out. I mean, I could probably count. I don't even think we've been out 10 times in like three years, really. But um, besides that, you know, we, we couldn't meet friends really at any time because we had to stick to this really strict nap schedule and he couldn't sleep anywhere else except this one spot. And there was all these sort of stipulations. So our life was really like narrowed and regulated in a way, like regulated to a schedule and regulated to this child in a way that was really restricting for us. Um, and we didn't notice it until we had our second son who just would like sleep in the car and we could go out with and he wouldn't cry the whole time. Like with our eldest, we couldn't go to restaurants because after maybe like five minutes, he would start to cry because it was too loud for him. He'd get really dysregulated and just like we couldn't be in the restaurants. We couldn't go out and anywhere loud. And it's also just weird to say to friends or I actually felt it weirder to say to family members because I feel like family members actually gave much more pushback. It's like we can't go out to this restaurant because our child will freak out. And everyone's like, just push through it. Like really, they're fine. They're fine. And um, – you know, that's really hard, too, because I'm like, okay, now I come across as this really type A parent who's over-controlling everything and 
you know, there's going to be all these assumptions made about how I'm not like willing to go out and I have to stick to the nap schedule really tightly and I have I can't go out to restaurants because I'm afraid and all these things that uh, stigmas that kind of come back to me as a parent or at least that I thought people would say about me and we got a lot of comments like you know he's fine just like let him cry or like let him do this and I'm like I can't watch my child get dysregulated and then you know ultimately comes back to us and by us I mean kind of like me like it comes back to Who's going to deal with this child in three hours when they're still melting down about this experience? Like, you don't yeah. give a shit. Like, you get to go home and keep drinking your wine. You know, so it's, and it's mm-hmm. hard to explain that. When, when you have someone who doesn't actually experience it, it's very easy from an outside perspective just to be like, well, just push through it or like, just like, just do it this one time. Or, and I think a lot of parents with children who have special needs, like, they, like, they experience that a lot. Just like this outer external pushback, like almost just like, okay, now be normal. Just like do these normal things, like like relax. Yeah, and so as a psychologist, um, I think that there's like this fine line, right? Because one of the things you, you, you want to do is you want to, when kids have anxiety, you really want them to be able to um, kind of like tolerate that discomfort. But here's what I think. I think if your child is going to have a meltdown for three hours, then they don't have the skill set to self-regulate and they need to have that skill set first. The other piece is your son didn't, he wasn't old enough to have the language to kind of conceptualize all that. And um, that was like, we kind of talked about that before about how like language organizes our experience with the world. And so if he doesn't have the language then, and he doesn't have, like the skill set, I mean, that it doesn't make a lot of sense to push that, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's, I think especially hard, I'm thinking of times when you're gathering with family, other family members, um, like, for mm-hmm. example, grandparents or aunts and uncles, things like that. So the expectation is that everybody gathers and then maybe goes like out to dinner or goes out to do something. And it's just, it was not possible for us. So there's these big expectations for us to be in these places that I know my son can't handle. Like even going to like a happy hour, he just like cannot handle doing that. Like it just doesn't work for him at that point with his sensitive, you know, hearing or whatever he was experiencing. And even then, we'd have to leave early. Like, we'd go for 10 minutes, and then we were always the ones who had to leave. Or we were always the ones who had to do whatever else we had to do. Or, like, I would have to spend, like, two hours putting him to sleep. And everyone's like, you have to break these habits. Like, you have to, you know, everybody has an opinion. Mm -hmm. And it's very hard. It's hard to hear that over and over. It's, like, hard to want to go to social gatherings where your family members are, and that's the expectation or wherever the expectation is to gather in your life because if you know that your child can't handle it and it's not even an obvious thing, like, it's so hard to explain and, like, have to come back around to. And, like, do I even want to explain it? Not really. (laughs) Um, do you feel like, like, cause I'm just imagining if I went someplace and I was like, okay, I know we're only going to be here for 10 minutes and yet I have to get ready. And yet I have to have all these things ready to go. I think I would feel like resentful 
like, okay, yeah, that was great. I just totally blew that evening. Yeah, like resentful, but also, and also just like, I know it's not going to be successful. And we keep doing the same thing over and over again to make it successful when it just isn't successful for this child. It's just not. Mm -hmm. And I can't, I can't change that. It's not like I'm not working on it, but I just can't, Mm -hmm. I can't make it better at this time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then like, if you take that and you think about some of the experiences of some of the families we work with where they probably get that pressure a lot, especially when it's invisible disabilities. Right. Um, I also want to say, I do think one thing that is important when we're talking about socializing is like the spectrum of disabilities, um, because there are some that are mild and maybe with time, the person becomes more regulated. And later on, like in a few years, you can go out and, you know, go to restaurants or go do things. Then you have some families where the kids have significant, significant needs. And even the parents are going through this child's, you know, like the entirety of their, um, you know, growing up here, their development, they don't feel comfortable leaving them with anybody, even as a teenager, because they know they can't, like if they have an intellectual disability, you know, multiple disabilities. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. I think that that could get really isolating. I also think there's, you know, if you exactly like having all of these disabilities in, in such a range even getting a sitter and how much do you want to explain to the sitter? Or like if you're, if your child has ADHD, do you really want to tell the sitter that? Or like, are they not going to want to sit for you? <laughs> or, you know, like things like that too. Or do you just roll with it? Or are you like, okay, I have to give you a heads up or we have this whole yeah. routine for regulating my child at night so that they can go to sleep. Or do we just like, we're like, Oh, we'll just deal with it when we get home or, you know, there's so much mm-hmm. more sort of what ifs I think that happen when you have a child with different needs. Whereas if I know my child will stay regulated, I know if they switch, you know, if his schedule is switched, it doesn't really matter. Or if they go to bed a little bit later, it doesn't matter versus having a child where you're like every little thing will impact him in the long run. And like not even just for the next hour, like hours, I've had parents where it can impact the child for like days. So Mm -hmm. imagine that like you go out for an evening, let's say your child's totally dysregulated. They don't sleep at all that night or they have poor sleep, whatever it is. And then for like the next two or three days, your child's dysregulated. Like, is that worth it? And so that would, that scenario would be like if you went out with the child or if the parents left and the child was with like, sitter or somebody and they could not regulate is that like what the scenario would be yeah something like that here's why i'm asking um and i know that there are some you know sometimes when you have a kid with really significant disabilities there are respite workers and you can get the same respite worker and they're trained right um yeah so there's that part but part of the reason i was asking so thinking about this documentary i watched um it's called stress portrait of a killer it's really good has this guy, uh, Robert Sapolsky. He's like this amazing neurobiologist and I love listening to a lot of stuff he does, but he's in there and, but it talks about what stress does to your body. And there's this section where they're talking about like parents of children with significant special needs um, and what that does to the telomeres. And do you you know what those are? Like if you think about the double helix of DNA, those are sort of like, the, right. the way it's always described is um, 
Like if you have shoelaces, they're like that little plastic part on the end of the shoelace that yeah, keeps yeah. from getting frayed. So that's what telomeres are. Um, and that they see, I believe that the telomere, is it that they're frayed? I can't remember what it is. But essentially, they see a change in the telomeres. Yeah, and they're like all fucked. That, that's yeah. related to like life expectancy and age. Yes, and it's so crazy. I have because of this. the amount. Yeah, I I was sorry. I just said I've heard that I've heard this before, and it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and I think the reason I wanted to bring it up, I think I know I talked to you about it, and I'm sorry, but I wanted to bring it up because I wanted to make sure that if people like who are listening to this, haven't seen that, because you can find it on YouTube. It's called Stress Portrait of a Killer. But one of the things that they found that is protective is socializing. And so they see, like they kind of talk about this, there's this group of women and they all have children with special needs and they get together once a month. And so they have like this social network or structure that's protective. Um, And so I just think that um, that's something to consider is maybe if you both can't go out or you can't go out with your child, that you at least have some way of connecting with other people so that you don't feel isolated because it's so important for your health. And I do think it's so much easier to put it into your schedule. Like, okay, every Tuesday, like is my night to go out because otherwise it doesn't happen. Yeah. Right. And Um, it's also become something to look forward to, which is nice. Yeah. Right. And then that kind of helps you get through the difficult points in your week. Right. I have a question um, yes. that's unrelated. Do you want me to turn down my microphone? Um, yeah. Okay, cool. It's so hard for me to hear sometimes, especially because, like, since I'm hearing impaired, I can't tell how loud I'm being. It's <laughs> okay. I yeah, no, it's, am- it's just, it was just a little bit loud. It's, it's okay. Okay, cool. Um, all right. I have. 10% of my battery remaining, just so you know. Okay, you should uh, get your butler over there. <laughs> Be like, Garçon, my computer. <laughs> Here's the problem, is that my charger is the same thing that connects to my microphone. Mm. So we may, to, we may have to cut this one short. Yeah, Sorry. that's okay. We're going to, I would request to all of our, like, two listeners to send <laughs> us Send us your story around this because I want to share this and I think it's so important and it's something that apparently I'm pretty passionate about and I have more experience with just personally than maybe some of the other topics. So uh, please, please, if you have even just like a minute like we heard tonight, that can be so helpful for other parents just to know Mm -hmm. what other parents are going through. And again, I just don't think it's really talked about. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm really glad we're addressing this because I think it's really, really important. Yeah, so if you if both um, if both of our listeners could send us their stories if they have them, that'd be super. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yeah, you, mom and dad. Well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, okay, uh, should I smell you later? That sounds yeah. weird. Okay. Well, how about just smell you later? Smell That's you later. Should we go? <laughs> should I? Say you just say. So this is what you do. You say smell you later, and then you hang up. Or I'll hang up. Yeah. Okay, now do you. Um, okay. Smell you later. Smell you later. Bye. Bye.